Hello and welcome to Founders Unplugged. I am your host, Greg McCallum, also known as the Pay As You Scale Commercial Advisor. Before we start, just wanted to let you know all these conversations are completely voluntary by the founders who are involved. So please give them some love. They're, they're very busy individuals and they're taking up to two hours out of their day to come and sit and chat with me about themselves, about their businesses and about all other kinds of stuff. Look in the uh, description uh, on whatever platform you're watching this and you will find links to them for their LinkedIn profiles and also the projects and the startups they're working on. So do go and check those out. And while you're at it, maybe give me a bit of love too. Um, I do this as something on the side to my main business. I run a company called ThinkWork. Um, and so if you're looking for any advice, I also do free uh, commercial advice um, for those for up to one hour. That job allows me to do this. Thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the episode. Please do um, show love and appreciation for them. And of course, for this episode, if you enjoy it, like it, subscribe, share. Without further ado, I've talked long enough. Enjoy the episode. Thank you. Bye-bye. Founders Unplugged, hosted by Greg McCallum. Hello, Jeremy. Hello. Can you hear me? I can indeed. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Well, you know what, actually, so I'm going to address the elephant in the room before <laughs> before we get going. You may notice it looks like I've uh, been a couple of rounds with Mike Tyson here. Um, so I'm going to address it because obviously it's going to be a video podcast. So, um, yeah, the weirdest thing happened. I got stung by a mosquito just here on the side of my temple. Ooh. And it's swollen up and it's much better than it was. I've literally been off work the last two days because it was out here like that um so so yeah but i've been all right apart from oh. that <laughs> oh no it's a nightmare yeah. isn't it weirdest thing weirdest thing never i've never been sort of stung in the, near the yeah. face before i didn't think they went that but yeah maybe the neck or no. something like that but um i was thinking like why on earth would they go for the face that like, they don't really like that area and then i realized the night before i'd been out in the garden on the phone uh, like that and i was thinking maybe the light was attracting them Ah, so, maybe. Oh my God. There you go. Lesson learned. Don't yeah. go on the phone at night time. It's dangerous. <laughs> or do it inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's exactly. this? The Lord Twat. <laughs> ah, there we go. I'm loving the mug. <laughs> I really can't compete with my plain yellow mug out of. Oh well, you can't beat a good uh, a good yellow mug though, can you? Mm. So, but anyway, enough about me. Uh, yeah, tell me what's been going on with you. Yes, first of all, is the sound and the quality and all that all right oh, here? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah. I'm I'm in platform nine in Hove, so oh, really? um, okay. I have my I have my cleaner at home. Didn't think that hoovering in the background would be a good idea ah, today. Right, so, okay. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Pop in here. Um are you you said you're videoing as well. Is this Yeah, we've started already. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's fine. So I've <laughs> yeah. not got the we most just inspiring. Get going. We just get straight into it. Oh no, I've not got the most inspiring background or anything like that. I think like it looks good. I, think it's, I was going to ask you where you were actually because I can see there some foliage behind you. I'll tell you what. Let's let me just move up a little bit. Just move things around. At some point, somebody may have to come into the the other bit of this. There you go. That looks a bit better. We've got a bit more that greenery. Looks, it looks like yeah, you're in a greenhouse or something. something um, like that's that. all good. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm, do you know what? I'm good. We've had a good few weeks. We launched a brand new tech group in Manchester last week, which was kind of super exciting. I say brand new. It mm. was a group that somebody else had run up until COVID. Right. And during COVID, that company got sold. So I went to the guys that got sold because I know them and I said, like, can we just take it over? Like, can we do that? And um, 
you know, eventually after a bit to and throwing, it was like, yeah. So we launched it last week. Um, it was brilliant. It was it was great to see people in the room. People were coming over to us and saying, oh, yeah, I've been waiting four years for someone to build this up again. No, oh, brilliant. Um, and I came four years ago. Or people haven't seen for longer than four years. I used yeah. to see at meetups in London. So, so these, just, these are in-person meetups tonight. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we, we run them in Brighton. But, you know, mm. doing it in Manchester, it was knackering. Mm. knackering but fulfilling you know get off the train run around manchester oh god we've forgotten soft drinks because you know it's always free beer and stuff like that we haven't got any soft drinks and oh we need to know the hotel's not that near the venue and there was a lot of running around but it was it was very very fulfilling that's good and like what sort of um attendees are there sort of developers or is it is it a broad range within the tech industry sort of what's the focus we had a really good mix. So the the idea of this, the events that we run, I want to try and keep them open to people that are university students all the way up to like the CEOs and the people that are oh, cool. you know the big cheeses. So we try and have a good range of talks. So mm. there will be obviously there's networking opportunities, which is great for the student to meet the CEO kind of thing. Yeah. Um and one of the things I did, I ran the door for the event last week. So as people are coming in and signing in like who are you who do you want to meet tonight so that i could try and th- oh yeah you need to talk to to you this mm. person over here have a chat so we had a really good mix come through the door we had quite a few students we had some senior developers we had some people in academia we had small business owners freelancers it was a really it was a good mix of people which mm, is which is what you want really I really like the idea of you sort of almost playing Cupid um, in a way at that yeah. in that level because I think more networking events needs people like that because yeah. if people are inherently quite shy yeah. um, and the only time that they're really going to come out of their shell and try and speak to someone is if they, they want to get something yeah. from someone you know um, so it's quite nice to have someone playing that role and sort of you know matchmaking yeah. a little bit I think it yeah. breaks the ice being the ho- being a proper host yeah, yeah. Uh, really, I think that's good. yeah. That's great. I'm glad that's mm. gone well. That sounds mm. like a really great idea. Which one do you run in Brighton? So we run we run Brighton R, which was last night actually. Oh, right. Off the back of off the back of the pub from, from that one. Brighton okay. R and Brighton Pi. So it's for the R users and Python users in Brighton. Okay. Um, and Brighton Pi's in a few weeks. So these are again, they're quite technical events, but they're mm. bringing together people that code in that language. And last night we had students again at Brighton R and we had people that were freelancers mm. and we had middle managers. We had, again, a really nice mix of people. Even within that, that quite specific demographic yeah. you have. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it again, it just brings people together. And I had, I had a conversation with somebody at, at Brighton R last night and he was telling me about one of his challenges. And then somebody was telling me about how they've been solving the same challenge i said oh you guys need to have a chat then mm. and it's, it's that community of tech developers everyone's within tech now everyone probably had the problem that you've got before it's great you know when yep. i started learning to code and i would google how do i build a vector or something something really simple no one had yep. had that problem because yeah. it was 2005 stack overflow and places like that now are just brilliant you can google it someone's had the problem before and because it's an open source language they've probably got the code on there that you need so as long as you know as long as you know what the problem is which is i think sometimes the hard bit it's like what is the actual problem here Mm. as long as you know what that is you can get the answer 
Um, but networking is another really good way of doing that as well. Mm. That's really interesting that that Bryden's got to the point of like having that that level of um, uh, like networking events, like you said, like Brighton versus Manchester. From what your friend's perspective mm. was, that that you that we're able to even have. Um, uh, events on specific languages. I didn't realize that like it was that there was that many sort of um, uh, yeah, that bigger community there, I guess. But it's a uh, but yeah, I guess it is. And and for context for anyone listening or watching, um, I live in Eastbourne, which is just down the road from Brighton, and you live in Brighton, don't you? Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, we're we're but we're we're very nearby. We met we met actually in um, as a result of the Silicon Brighton group, didn't we? So that's that's how we came. Yeah. Well, yeah. Look, we haven't um, we haven't introduced you yet. So why don't we, uh, Jeremy? You you give yourself an introduction and say who you are and what you do. Um, <laughs> and then I know we're kind of doing it a bit backwards, <laughs> but, but now is better late than never, I suppose. So so yeah, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, ten minutes in, let's introduce myself. I mean, you know a little bit about it happens quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, a little bit about what I do anyway. But yeah, so I'm yeah. Jeremy Horn. I'm the founder and director of Data Cove, and we are a Brighton-based, as we've just discovered, data and analytics consultancy. Now, there's probably people listening that are thinking, what the flip is a data and analytics consultancy, right? <laughs> so let, let's put it this way. Well, here we go. There's plenty of things that you can read about us. But yeah, what is a data and analytics consultancy? Nowadays, everybody's got data. Um, and there's probably people listening thinking, oh, I don't have any data. So I'll ask you this, do you have a website? Because if you have a website, there are gonna be people visiting that website. And those people have data, you know who they are, you know where they're visiting from, you know quite a bit about them. You might not be tracking that data. So you might not be tracking that data through Google Analytics or, or your favorite analytics tool, but there is data there. And so we're here to help people understand and grow their businesses through data. So in very simple terms, we can tell you who your customers are and what your best products are. And that's quite a big thing. You might think, oh, yeah, but I know who my customer is. But when I challenge our clients quite early on and say, who's your customer? What's your best product? Quite a lot of them say, you know what? I've been in business for 20 years, and I actually don't know the answer to that. Mm -hmm. So we'll analyze your customer data. We will tell you who's your customer. You know, are they a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, are they a 40-year-old? Are they from Brighton, Bristol, or Birmingham? Do they like the environment? Do they like fast, sporty cars that drive around F1 circuits? So we'll really get to the heart of who the customer is. We can also help you with marketing as well. So from a marketing perspective, it's I've got a marketing budget. Where should I spend it? Do I go out and put a big Facebook campaign out? Or should I stick a billboard at Brighton and Eastbourne train stations that everybody can see it when they come off the train? What's going to work? What's not going to work? Where should we put the money? And how much should we invest? You know, if I've got 10 grand to invest, but I only need to invest five, why am I going to invest 10? So trying to help people put the money in the right place. And then most importantly, process automation as well. Every business, everybody that is listening to this in your business, you will have that painful process. Something that takes you 20 hours a week to do. Might not take you 20 hours, but take someone in the business 20 hours. We can write a set of code that gets rid of that 20 hours forever. And I think probably those are, the, those are probably kind of the main things that we do. We do a lot of training and coaching. So teaching people R, Python, or just teaching people how to be more confident and how to love data. So we do a lot of, I suppose, data energy training is a good way to put it, but getting people to really embrace the importance of data within their organizations. We, we're gonna be training people. So we do 
initiatives where we train people in the NHS. So we help the NHS community. This is giving away our time for free uh, three or four times a year, just for a day, to help analysts in the NHS understand how to code better. And that's our way of giving back to one of probably the, the biggest and the most strained yet respected organizations in the UK. Mm. Yeah, that's, no, us, that's, that's us in a nutshell. That's, um, that's a very admirable thing to do. Um, it's interesting because, because of, you know, data is um, something of a dirty word in a lot of startups. Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, trying to sort of make do with what you've got at the early stages. Um, but, but then, you know, having worked in um, in sales and marketing for as long as I have, you know, I've always talked about being uh, very data led, right? And and I understand the importance of it, and most of us do. But I think there's a lot of us out there that that um, that say that, but don't really fully understand that the importance of that and how to implement it. What would you say is sort of like some of the fundamentally misunderstood aspects of uh, actually utilizing and leveraging data? like you were saying about sort of, you know, to really understand the profile or whatever it might be. Like, do you have any sort of typically very well mis- misunderstood of things, especially from people who claim that they already understand it, perhaps? I think probably the first thing is everybody thinks it's complex and it's too hard and it's something that we can't do and it's all maths and stats and numbers. And so I'm just not going to do it because it's, mm. it's too hard. And actually, Data is not about maths. It's not about stats. It's not about spreadsheets. It's not about any of that complicated stuff. It's about solving a challenge or solving a business problem. So mm. a lot of people, when I go in to talk to them for the first time, they open up a massive spreadsheet and say, here's the data. What can you do with it? And it is totally the wrong approach. And I say, well, imagine there's two ways you can go down here. And I use the harsh method. There's a nicer way of putting it. Imagine I've just walked or you've just walked into your board meeting at work and the CEO standing there and he's holding a gun to your head, right? What is it that he wants to know? What what would he pull the trigger for if you don't know? Or he or she, I should say as well, obviously. Let's try and be um, correct here. And it gets people to really articulate what the challenge is at the heart of that business. Um, now, you can do it the other way and say the CEO's there holding a magic wand and he waves it and you're going to tell him what. Mm. And it gets people to articulate the challenge. And I'll give an example. I was talking to a law firm client and you know, I said, what, what is it? You know, I, I know that you want to know who your customer is, but what is it you don't know? Because um, with data, I think you've really got to explore the challenge and the problem. They said, well, we just don't know who our customer is, but... But what don't you know? What don't you know about your customer? What, in an ideal world, what would you want to know? And they said, well, we're a law firm. We'd like to know how many people on our database are over the age of 60 and don't have a will. That's a really specific challenge. It's a really good challenge for a law firm because you can go and market wills to people over the age of 60 that don't have one. The likelihood is these people need one and want one, but just don't know they need it. So, you know, you can then, go into the customer database, you can have a look at, okay, they might not have a will with you, maybe they got it with somebody else, but there's a really good marketing opportunity in there. Mm. But it's such a simple problem. You know, they didn't tell me about numbers, about spreadsheets, about blocks. So it's about thinking about it in the simplest possible form. Don't don't overcomplicate it. The complicated stuff is done by an analyst. We do that complicated stuff. So you give us a challenge, we give you a solution. The bit in the middle, you're never going to see it. You're never going to see blocks, code, mathematics, statistics. 
you give us a challenge and we'll tell you in very simple terms what the answer to that is mm. yeah so it's it's more the case of uh of what what is it you looking you're looking to yeah. achieve essentially yeah. as opposed yeah. to yeah yeah no that makes sense yeah yeah um w w with something like that then how how would you go about addressing that so you know with, with that example of like yeah. trying to segment uh the, the audience yeah. of, by age and then and, and and you know and like you said not not having yeah. a will how do you even begin to approach something like that is that from a combination yeah. of all touch points that the company has and sort of you know putting that together and, and that, you know mm. how, how would you even go about yeah. that yeah i mean, often it will depend on the type and the size of the organization you're dealing with sometimes it's very simple if you're dealing with a small business or a startup the likelihood is there's one database or there's a couple of spreadsheets or there's not a lot of things in a lot of places mm. and we work with bigger companies and that that's where the challenge comes in because there's data that people don't even know about that exists right. it's like oh no we don't have that and then you talk to somebody else yes yes that person's got it and you know, working with a big company i think the first three or four weeks you're just talking to so many uh, random people's the wrong word but so many people that uncover things that even people in that organization don't know exist so it's about collating everything that they've got and then starting to look okay so what's the challenge let's take the one of the the wills so have we got a customer database what do we know about the customers now, if you're a law firm you'll definitely know the customer's name their age and things like that because you always take a date of birth so you'll know that bit of information then you've got to look at the product cycle so okay what product data have we got we might have a menu of products and services that we offer so can we cross-reference all of our different product offerings with the wills offering and see where we've got an intersection so all the people that are on both that's fine they've got a will we don't need to worry about them maybe we want to talk to them about is your will fit for purpose so that's mm -hmm. one segment and then we've got a load of other people who are you know they they're in the age Ooh, bracket right they're in the age bracket but they don't have a will with us so let's talk to them about do you have one do you have it with somebody else can we help you update it maybe they've told us they already have a will with somebody else so should we contact them and say does your will need updating you know you're you can put you can make the messaging right don't say oh yeah you're over 60 now time to update your will but again it all comes down to messaging and and that's something else we can talk about because data isn't just numbers it's text as well so i'll, I'll talk a little bit later about how you use text to get that message right and how you strike the right emotive tone within text analytics of data that's but, interesting but yeah, it's a, so then you've got that segment of people that are in the right age range, but don't have a will with you. Then you might want another segment of people that are 55 and over. So they're five years away from that magic 60. We might have a different message for them. And then we might, again, for people that are younger, that there's always benefit to people that are in their 20s and 30s that are just buying their first home. It's a really good time to get into people that need a will. So you can have another message for those people. But it's about it's about creating those segments. Now that's obviously a very simplistic example. It's just age-based segmentation. You might look at other things as well. So, you know, again, going back to the homeowner example, who have we conveyanced for recently? So we conveyance for somebody they've just bought a property. Was it a first-time buyer? And again, they might you might hold that information somewhere. It's the kind of thing you ask. It's the kind of thing that you hold. So it's always thinking about when you're collecting the data what are you getting and how do you store that because again going back to conveyancing first time buyer or not is a really useful touch point as a law firm mm. the first time buyer there's so much more you can offer them 
and you know, people's journey with a law firm is often one service related and then you kind of go away and don't come back again so always think about where else you can sell them and you know even other law firms that we work with that are very specialized in their services they think well they might not need us ever again so what partnerships can we create with other companies that if we refer somebody on we get a 10 percent referral bonus so it's always thinking about that journey and you don't just work with law firms, so you work with a whole range of businesses, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, which yeah, I just thought I'd point that out. But um, yeah, what what sort of um, things? Because if you, like you said, and you alluded to there, there's there's a lot of scenarios where data is spread out, especially in larger organisations. I've seen it myself, yeah. consulting with bigger businesses. Um, there's a lot of situations where things are very compartmentalised. People don't quite yeah. realise what they've got. Uh, or what they're doing and there's sort of miscommunication there especially when it comes to data and um yeah. and whether it's being used or not etc yeah but what what would you say are sort of some best practices to implement maybe really early on yeah. in the journey of a business to, to start gathering data where you know how to do it yeah. where to keep it um you know are there some operational tips you can give so that you're almost preparing yourself mm. for a point in time where someone like you your your business yeah. would come in and and and, and have like the dream scenario where it's kind yeah. of ready to go. Def uh, definitely. And I think the first step is create a data strategy. Now, I don't want people to go away and think, oh my God, this is a scary 100 page document with lots of massive diagrams and numbers that I don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that we can help do as well. Um, when I say data strategy, it could be, depending on the size of your organization, you could do it on a sheet of paper, you could do it on a one pager. So what you've got to think about is, Data is there to help you understand your business. So what is it that you need to understand about your business? If you go back to where everything starts, every business, every business has got a product. Now that product might not be a physical product that you buy in a shop. That might be, you might sell training products. So you might sell training courses, that's your product. You might be a charity and your product is raising money so you can go and buy, you know, a, I don't know, you can go and buy a wheelchair for somebody, but your product is raising money. So everyone's got a product. So if you start with product, what is it that you need to know to be able to really maximize your output from that product, what you're getting, your sales from that product? And that's where you can start to build a strategy. Okay, so this is what we need to know. And then make a list of the things that you need to ask people and collect. And it's really important you get this down early on. There's no point creating a web form you know, I, we can all go and do it right now. It's just going to create a form in five minutes of name, address, email, all the things you want to get. But but think about it because particularly in the GDPR world now, people are a lot more reluctant to give away data unless they know why you're using it. Mm. So you can't ask, what's your birthday? You know, why, why do you need my birthday? So you could say something like, we'd like to give you a voucher for your next birthday. When's, when's your birthday? Be really careful about the way you ask that question because a lot of people put, oh, my birthday's tomorrow, so I get a voucher. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the key thing is we want to give it to you on your next birthday next year. Just make that kind of super clear. Or We've seen it with companies a lot. Where, oh, yeah, number of people that's birthdays. I think it's like 20, 30% birthday is the day after the sign-up day. There's a lot of people that cheek like that. But <laughs> think about what you want to collect make sure there is a reason for collecting it and make sure you're going to use it because if somebody has given you information they would expect that to be used so there's no point asking somebody which of our products have you bought before 
and that person says i buy product a every two months and then you send them an email two days later saying have you ever used product a is that what i've told you this so people want that personalized service so think about how you're going to use it make that list make sure that form is really easy as well because there's a there is an exchange here people are giving you information they want it to be easy to sign up or they won't do it so then once you've got that information you've got a very simple and solid you know this is the start of your database make sure that you're storing that so this is going back to data strategy you store that correctly so how are you going to keep your data how are you going to keep it secure you can't really have it in a spreadsheet that just sits without a password yet it's even if your database is simplistic and it is a spreadsheet password protect it mm. how are you going to update it what's what is your policy for updating that data data becomes out of date the moment that you get it how do you keep it up to date how are you going to keep in contact with your customers are you at some point going to want to collect other data do you think do you think in the future you might want to know other things about your customer and is it better to collect that now is it better to ask it now because you don't want to keep redesigning things and redesigning things so it's really thinking about kind of that length of that journey as well mm. you want to be able to get everything that you can with one ask because it's so hard to get things out of people do you need to create some kind of exchange for it is it you know, if you give us some data, we'll send you a free sample. Or if you give us some data, we'll give you 10% off. You know, one of our clients, they do a, um, like a competition. If you give, we'll, we'll give you a 500 pound voucher or something. Well, not everybody, but we'll enter into a draw mm. at the end of each month for a 500 pound voucher to spend with our brand. So what can you give people to make them really happy to give that data to you? Um, could you also supplement it with regular surveys to keep it up to date? Again, maybe, maybe not incentivized as well. And um, so it's interesting because, you know, as you know, I work with a lot of SaaS companies, right? Mm, and, yeah. and, you know, along the, the journey there, there's there's usually quite a lot of touch points, or at least there should be in my view, yeah. you know, a lot of touch points. So like you said, surveys, especially in the early stages where there's a lot of feedback um, asks on the product and, um, you know, the, the ability sometimes to vote for new products and, you know, all this kind of stuff, especially the more community-led SaaS products. Um, that's quite good. There's a lot of those touch points almost built in. And you you even see um, I, I see quite regularly from a lot of the platforms I use um, uh, you know things like just just a, a straight up ask to say you know are your records up to date you know I, I think I suppose you could even be as, as direct as that you know yeah. um, but what about um, sort of behavioural related data so in terms of the you know the way that yeah. the, 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 um, the customers interact with a platform you know especially you know I'm thinking sort of along the, that yeah. same lines of SaaS you know is that at all useful like how can that be leveraged um, mm. in in kind of what you do you know I'm thinking uh, yeah. there are a lot of platforms out there in you know, a hot jar and things like that that sort yeah. of measure those behaviors do, do, you, do you work with that sort of data yeah. as well and, and if you do sort of can you give us maybe yeah. an example or two on, on how that that can be leveraged yeah, I think with with data, it's not so obviously I'm focused on the customer side of things there. Usage is really important, um, depending on the model that you're building. Uh, so I'll, I'll give an example. We were looking at so working with a, a bank. And one of the things they wanted to understand was what is the appetite for a customer to take up another product with us? Right. If you're a bank, mm. you have savings accounts, you have investment products, you have current accounts, you might have mortgages, you might do business banking, personal banking. There's there's so many options. So if somebody's got a current account. There's so many other things that you can potentially sell to them. Mm. And behavioral data is really important. So there's the simple behavioral data, which is transactional. 
So in the sense of a bank, transactional is taking money in, putting take money out of your account, putting money in, and how often are you engaging? But there's also metrics like, you know, if you've got an online banking platform, when are you logging in? How often are you logging in? What do you do when you log in? And, and that we found was a really big predictor on people's likelihood to take up another product. If you're engaged with one, one bank or one particular brand, the likelihood of them taking up, so if you've got a current account, taking up a savings account next, was a heck of a lot higher. Um, and so we created these cohorts of customers where we said, okay, these are the people you want to target first for, for savings to move from current account to savings account to, to, to other accounts. And these are the people you probably want to target a bit later. But that behavioral side of things is really important because if somebody is engaged, it's much easier to then send them the right messaging to say, this is probably something that's right for you right now. Why don't you think about taking this on? So behavioral is really important. In fact, when you're building... All, all the predictive models that we build, we don't just say, yeah, this is the answer. We say this is the answer, and here are the five or ten most important things that have driven us to that answer. And in that particular model, so the number of times they, they'd engaged with the online banking platform in the last 30 days was really predictive, but also just their transactional behavior from, say, the last three months was far more important than what they did 12 months ago. So it's mm -hmm. that recency of behavior and you know things like age and gender and location were also quite predictive because you know if you've got a really big presence as a brand in a certain location if you're a brand that's all around brighton people in brighton will be a lot more engaged with you than people in birmingham even if you've got a customer in birmingham so really simple things like engagement again very basic demographics but but behavior which is which is really important and i think people don't they almost don't emphasize it enough. So how are you going to store that? Behavior is transactional. How are you storing your transactional data? Yeah. If I say to you, I want to know, and I hate going into transactional databases because they can be huge, you know, same, mm. every different transaction. But if I want to look at how somebody has purchased over the past five years, how would I get that from you? Because we would then want to overlay that with the demographics. And then have you run any surveys? I want to overlay that as well. Everything that you've got, no matter how basic you think it is, because models nowadays are really, if something's not useful, the model will ignore it. Hmm. Well, like you said, overlaying it, right? Building a picture, actually combining this data all yeah. together is where it's, it's yeah. ultimately really valuable, right? Yeah. So it may not seem like it holds value yeah. on its own, but, uh, but, but all together. What, what's what I found really interesting, yeah. like when we spoke before and when we're speaking yeah. again now, is just how comprehensive your, your service is. Like, you, you know, you're saying about, you know, helping with developing a data strategy yeah. um, and also even going as far as helping with with how to, you know, create messaging around the data so it's more specific and yeah. relevant to that. You know, that's a really comprehensive offering. Yeah. Like, it's really yeah. valuable what you're offering yeah. to a business. And, and, of course, the execution in between. Like, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, because, of, you know, a lot of you're sort of tackling the problem end to end in my view which is not only identifying how to collect this data how to maintain this data but then how to act on it in a way that is very relevant and and more than likely going to nice. produce the best results through through mm. things like messaging and and things like that like you know was this something that you had in mind when you first started data cove or did, did this kind of evolve just out of you know you naturally finding out that actually there's a need for these things was mm. or maybe it was a bit of both 
Yeah, I think it's a great question. And throughout my whole career, so for the 18 or so years, maybe slightly less, let's, let's, not, let's not dwell on numbers, <laughs> but through the, through the X number of years, so let's go with data, mathematical variables, through the yeah. X number of years that I worked before starting my business, this is kind of what I've done. So it's consulting, but initially in the city, then I did it for a few marketing agencies. And it was really helping people make sense of their data. Mm. And what I come to realize over 15 years of doing it was that a lot of people make it more complex than it is. So we need to be here to make the complex simple. Mm. So when I started it, it was about, okay, how can we make everything simple for people to understand their data? How can we take that pain away from businesses? And so I kind of put together offerings based on what I thought people needed. So again, based on what I've worked on in the past, I know what people, I kind of know what people need. I don't think everybody in businesses know exactly what they need. Sometimes you start to talk to them and, and the briefs evolve quite quickly. And it's like, well, we want a customer segmentation model. And it's like, that's quite a specific thing to want. So let's go right back to the beginning, you know, who's your customer and you start to ask them questions and, and you get that brief to evolve so i think people don't always know what they want so we're here to help them define what it is they want uh, and build an offering that they're going to need they're going to use but is going to make their life simpler as well and then also it's about how you then present back the results of that so i was talking to somebody last night and you know if you're going to we're, we're doing quite technical stuff. If I walked into a client and said, oh, yes, I built your model and it's got an 86% R squared and there's a mean square of 30 and, you know, I've got a support vector machine model with 48 support vectors on it. Your marketing manager doesn't care, right, mm. do they? They want to know, yeah, but I've got 50 grand. Am I doing a Facebook campaign or am I doing some paid search or am I doing a bit of both? So it's about going in with actionable insight things that they can then take away and say, okay, I'm going to put my 30 grand on Facebook and 20 grand on paid search and they'll supplement each other and that will work quite well. So I think mm -hmm. the offering that we build is things that we know people need that they might not necessarily know they need, but mm -hmm. everybody knows they need something with data. So that exploratory conversation, you know, we're quite happy to spend an hour or two with people initially just, just chatting. This is not it's not paid time or anything like that. We want to get the brief right with a with a potential client. So we'll spend some time. We'll knock that brief around with you so that we can get it watertight and work out exactly what it is that you want. Because if you come in and say, I want a customer segmentation model, that might cost you a lot of money. If it's just, I want to know, going back to the very specific, specific example of, I want to know who on our database is over 60 and needs a will, that's, that's not as such the customer segmentation piece at first that's a bit of simple analysis so let's give you exactly what it is you need and let's work out what it is you need first before we start getting into deep briefs and anything like that mm. and then i suppose as you're, you're maybe working to if it is a clearly defined yeah. brief like that initially as you're going in there yeah. and and and, and uh, assessing yeah. the situation yeah. you may actually come across some discoveries um uh, that you could maybe come to some, some suggestions with and yeah. say, well, we've actually found that you have a lot more data than you realize, or you yeah. have a lot more data in an area that you didn't didn't appreciate. We, we've uh, we've yeah. noticed some opportunities here. Do, do you yeah. often do that as well and actually come with and present some ideas yeah. based on that? Yeah, sometimes you'll find things that you're not expecting uh, mm. and that the client's not expecting. One of the things I always say to people at the start is, 
don't tell me what you think the answer is because I don't need, I don't want that in the back of my head. Yeah, because yeah, it's the, always biased the results yeah, to some degree. Yeah, exactly. You'll go looking for it, and if you find it, great, I've got what they want. So mm. we try and tell people what we think. Um, and it was like the, earlier on this week, we were, we were looking at things like calculating cost per lead from a specific campaign. And we said, oh, it was it was £10, but you managed to reduce it to £5. And it's like, oh, they'll be really happy with that because they thought it was about £9. So, you know, it was about £9 and they've reduced it with some really good media activity. So, again, if I'd have known that beforehand, I'd have been looking for the nine. Mm. So I think I think that's really important is we will uncover things that people don't know. But it's also really vital that when we're presenting those findings back, that people are brave. Because if we say to you, look, actually, your customers are 50 year old in Birmingham and they thought it was a 40 year old in Brighton. You've got to be brave enough to believe the data and go and say, we're going to go and talk to 50 year olds in Birmingham now. We didn't do that before. Now, organizations are very different at that. You need one of the things you will need in an organization to make data work is a data champion. You'll need somebody that really believes in the value of data. It just needs to be one person. It doesn't even need to be a chief data officer. It could be a marketer. It could be, you know, going back to, I think one of the law firms you talked to, it's, it's actually a lawyer who really believes in data and the value of it. So you need a champion, somebody that can see the value in data and that can encourage everybody in the organization to use that. And if you've got that champion, people will be brave. They'll do things that are different. They'll mm. do things that the results are telling them. And and ultimately, the business will benefit. Mm. Yeah, they can be your um, your bridge yeah. to yeah. the rest of the business, as it were. Yeah. So, um, so tell me, because you were saying 18 years doing doing this sort of work, yeah. but um, Data Cove is relatively new, though, isn't it, as as a business? So, so what sort of um, what sort of sparked you wanting to? Because obviously, this is founders yeah. clubs, right? Yeah. So you're a founder. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We so, got 40 so, minutes in, not really got there, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so what really drove uh, drove you to 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 start Data Cove? Um, I mean, I have a feeling it's maybe a, a lot of the, the different things you were talking about there. But but up to that point, you, had you had you run your own business before at any point up to, up to, to, to your current business or is it your first time? or First time. And yeah. it was something I'd always wanted to do, you know, going back five, six, seven plus years. I think mm. having got my background in, in the city and moved into marketing agencies, I'd always thought one day at some point I want to do this. But... Mm. In order to start, you don't just wake up one morning and like, right, I'm going to start a business now. Let's go for it. A lot of things need to fall into place. And, you know, I had a chat with somebody and I kind of gave gave them like the five things that I think you need to fall into place to start your own business. So I'll just touch on a few of them and why they fell into place for me. I think the first thing is, you know, in order to make a business successful, you, you need to know where the money's coming from. So you can't just sort of wake up and start a business like, right. Who's the client? Where, where am I going to get my first paycheck from? And at the point that I, or before I was starting it, I had an ex-client get in touch and say that we need some support. We need some of this done. Do you know anybody? At the same time as somebody I know saying that, you know, I know you want to start a business and I've got these guys that could be like the perfect fit for you to work with as a first client for a little bit. So I kind of knew that, okay, there's a couple of clients that we can work with. So We've got somewhere where we can see some money coming in while the business is built up. Now, the next thing you need is you, you can't start a business when you have zero 
like no money, no finance, nothing. Uh, I started my business in the middle of COVID. Great time to start a business, right? You know, everything, everything around the world is beginning to crumble in a certain way. But just before lockdown, we'd sold a buy-to-let property that we used to have. And we we're about to buy, this buy-to-let was quite far away and it was harder to manage. We we're about to buy one locally instead. So got all this money in the bank. And then lockdown hits. You can't go and view properties. And so I'm, I'm working at home with a decent amount of money sitting in the bank. And I thought, I'm going to start a business like now's the time to do it. You know, I'm a numbers person. I cooked the numbers and said I could earn absolutely zero for the next 12 months and be fine. Now, that was never the plan. But the money's in the bank. I've got I've got the financial safety to go and do this. Mm-hmm. I know where the first few clients are coming from. But the other thing I think is really important is knowing where your network is as well. So it's not about the first two clients. It's about the next two and the next two after that. You can't. You can't come out of university and start a business. Not very, you can, but it's not easy. Mm. So if you've got a good network around you, and this is what I've been doing throughout my whole career, building up my network, keep in touch with ex-clients, colleagues, every, there is no bad connection in business. Mm. So even if you meet someone at an event, like, I can't work with you. But you might not be able to work with me now, but you might know somebody that can. So no. everybody's a good connection. Build up that black book, which I've been doing over the years, so that you knew where your people were going to come from. Get out there and network, talk. I think particularly within the tech industry as well, there's there's things that, again, I've done with our YouTube page and, and GitHub page. Show people what you're about. Show people your code. Show people what you know, because that way people trust you as a tech professional as well. So it's all of the things that I worked on doing over that time. And lockdown was quite good for me because you know, more time at home, not going anywhere. So I can build these things up and start to work out from the ground what it is that I really wanted. Um, so good good timing for me. And I think particularly at that time, a lot of people have reevaluated where they were going. And yeah. this being something I really wanted to do, knowing it was the right time, it was kind of a, if I didn't do it then, I probably would never do it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of founders that have been on this uh, this podcast so far um, took the plunge during COVID, and I know plenty more as yeah. well. Um, yeah. Like you said, it was a bit of a perfect storm, and and of course, for a lot, for many as well, layoffs were a big yeah. push for that. It was just like, well, I'm out of a job, um, yeah. a new one isn't on the horizon right now because no yeah. one's hiring. It's like yeah. kind of now or never, you know, it's yeah. almost painted into a corner. But it sounds like you had a yeah a, a similar perfect storm, but but from for you, from your own volition. Um, it's interesting you mentioned that, that you had you had some people giving you some advice um, around that as well. So my takeaway from that was almost that maybe another good thing to do if you're able to if it's not going to maybe put your current job at jeopardy is actually let let people know that you're you have a plan to to, mm. to maybe one day because if, it sounds to me if you hadn't yeah. have done that you maybe yeah. wouldn't have found out about some potential clients you yeah. wouldn't have found out about you or even been given any yeah. you know advice or anything like that but 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 just by almost putting it out into the universe you're kind of getting something back from that yeah. as to whether or not it's a good idea you know almost stress testing yeah. it, right mm. um so that that may be even a good thing you know, to, to, to do and, you know, to say, to say to people, look, I'm thinking of doing this thing. What do you think? You know, um, yeah. you know, do you know anyone? 
but uh, but yeah it's a really interesting point you make about i mean it's the same it's part of the same story isn't it which is the networking thing really it's mm. just it's not what you know it's not what you know it's who you know yeah. um and yeah you're absolutely right i, I i'm a big believer in that that no matter yeah. who yeah. you know just just meet new people like yeah. there's no yeah. bad connection yeah there's nothing people can come up with great ideas you know a little comment a little yeah. whatever even if it's just to say i believe in you yeah. i reckon you can yeah. do this yeah. you know that sometimes can be enough that, yeah. that sometimes can be all you need or the opposite which is just like you know i don't think it's not a great idea maybe you need to work on it a little bit more or, or yeah. something you know whatever it is i think speak to as many people as you can because you never know like yeah. you know there's there's always someone that goes do you know what i might know someone who might be interested in that yeah. you know what i mean yeah you never know. Well, exactly and all of the all the business we get it's all recommendation word of mouth i say well, i mean pretty much all so it's all ex-clients i've worked with ex-people i've worked with that say you need to talk to this person um and now we're doing a lot more networking we're part of a few groups in brighton we've obviously got some things up in manchester so we go out there we talk to people and now we're starting to get clients to come in through that network so people that we meet at a networking event and again you know, people that you might not necessarily think are very good connections. So we've got, you know, we, we've got one guy who runs one of the local business shows and, you know, we're going to be exhibiting at that show in September. And he put us in contact with somebody that needs data support. So you think, okay, good guy to know because we're, we're, we're in effect giving him money to be at his show. Yeah. But actually that full cycle's come back and we've got a client out of it. So hmm. just... And that's before uh, even attending the event. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and I think a lot of people i see it at networking events like you meet somebody and it's like oh hi yeah hi i'm an it manager it's like, i don't need it i'm, I'm off mm. talk to them because you know, networking it it's not about selling your business don't go in and flash your business card to everybody go in and make friends with people you know what what are they like doing uh, I, I met somebody who i think is a brilliant networker um a while ago and so i think the first thing someone said to them is you know what's your business and she said, doesn't matter what my business is. What do you like to do at the weekend? Like what? <laughs> yeah. Get to know people, become friendly with them, make make your network about friendships rather than business. And mm. then the business comes from it. Yeah. And it's a lot more rewarding. Let's mm. be honest. I mean, you know, working in uh, at least for, for myself and, yeah. and I know for a lot of us in yeah. the way that we do, you know, sat in front of a computer screen yeah. day in, day out, it can be quite a lonely road. Right. It's nice to meet other people. It's nice to have meaningful connections and have people that can share the experience. Yeah. Like for me, that's when I go to networking events and do things like this. Like first and foremost, it's like I want to understand the person. I love people. You know, yeah. we, 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 I want to understand what makes people tick. I want to know yeah. what gets them out of bed in the morning. That's interesting. And if you if you put that at the forefront of what you do, you like you said, you're right. The, the rest kind of just falls into place and yeah. nothing reeks of desperation more than someone yeah. going around trying to sell. Like that's that's the, usually the person that gets ostracized very quickly in yeah. uh, networking events i found yeah. you know yeah um unless you go to a, a sales networking event in which case well everyone's the same yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah but and, <laughs> i've been and, to those too <laughs> I, I think it's it's time for a really good story about a networking event we went to now i'm obviously not going to name the person but this was an event we went to within the past six months right. and it's one of these really nice friendly groups you get to know everybody um, and some guy never seen before and in fact never seen again walked into the event and he walked in with his business cards and he just literally went around everyone you want this you want this you want this. he mm. just gave everybody a card and i thought didn't tell didn't even talk to us didn't tell us what he did didn't tell us who he was just, here's my card here's my card here's my card and he probably walked out about half an hour later really odd behavior and i thought very odd yeah i don't know who this guy is 
but I don't want to do business with them. So on the way out, I put the card into the bin. Yeah. Um, poor guy. But anyway, the, the next morning, my colleague messaged me and said, you know, that guy that was giving out his cards, have you um, have you looked him up on, on LinkedIn? Have you added him? I said, no, I threw the card in the bin. He said, oh, well, I, I've just looked him up. Um, it wasn't even his card. He was coming, giving out his colleague's card. So obviously his colleague may have got a load of spam mail the next morning when he's added to everybody's database. But it's yeah. just, you know, that's quite ballsy. Go out, maybe, maybe he hated his colleague. I don't know. Maybe he wanted to sign him up for spam lists. But yeah, yeah. it was just bizarre. Very bizarre. Yeah, it's interesting. Like It's actually, um, so I, I've done a lot of events. Um, I'm sure just like you have like exhibits and things like that for, for various different companies I've worked for and with and so on. And um, there's this kind of miss, well, I'll put it this way. So, so you know, like you were saying about you going to this event, you've got a stall there and so on. We used to do that, you know, for a lot of these different businesses. Yeah. We spent thousands of pounds on these stalls. Um, and um, actually, some of the best, most fruitful events I've had, especially when leading sales teams, have been just to attend the, these events rather than have um, mm. exhibits there because of, it enables you to just walk around and meet people. Um, and, and in fact, that's and, and it gets you into a certain mind frame, too, which is, you know, mm. if we're sat at this thing, OK, yeah. we've got to stand there. We've got to talk about the business. That's yeah. a big banner behind us. When people come, we've got to give them a flyer. We've got to yeah. try and pull people away from what they're doing to come to see us. So we've got to be in yeah. sales mode. And that is just so unappealing. Like you literally see people trying to avoid you, like the plague when they walk yeah. past you, right? Just like you walk past people in the street with giving out flyers. They yeah. tend to be like, no, thank you. Right. Um, but but yeah, the complete opposite. When you're just mingling and walking around with people, you're in a different mind frame. You're just in the mind frame of hey, yeah. I want to start a conversation. It's really not rocket science. It's really, you know yeah. what I mean. There's there's nothing there's nothing overly complex about it. From the difference mm. between just having a meaningful conversation, a connection yeah. with someone, and how are you? Well, how's your day? You know, what, what, yeah. how are you enjoying the show? You know, why are you yeah. here? You know, yeah. ask ask more first. I mean, that's basically the key, isn't it? It's it's yeah. like the art yeah. of conversation one hundred and one ask questions, you know, it, find out about people. It's not difficult. And it's so so important in data because you need to find out exactly what the challenge is. So being right. inquisitive, you know, we hire people that are inquisitive. You need that nature. Yeah, um, now, when I, I walked around a show a few weeks ago and a lot of the people there I knew, uh, there's always this joke around, you know, the people, all the people that work for me and they say, oh, you're like a local celebrity. Everyone knows you. And it's just like, I'm, I'm totally not. But anyway, um, and even one of them who was walking around the show, I think, whinged someday. I can't walk around with him. We stop every two seconds. And it's, <laughs> but it's, again, it's enhancing those relationships that you've already got. Yeah. And I'm quite happy to go up to the stalls and build relationships. Most of them will start to talk to you, like, who are you? What, what's your business all about? And that, when we're going to run our stall at the at the business show in September, when people come up to us, I want to know as much about them as possible. I want them to do the talking. Tell me about them. Because I can only help you if I know who you are and I know what your business is. Um, another great story here, and again, not somebody that will be named, but at this business show a few weeks ago, and indeed I've seen this person at many business shows before, and I've, it's not just my experience. Quite a few people have said, I've had this really odd experience. Go up to a stall and you find out who they are and you start to tell them who you are. Because I think it's really, there's a, a good knowledge and value exchange there. As a business, you want to know who you're talking to. And the person that runs this particular business and stall says, no, you can't tell me about your business. I've paid for my stand here. This is about me. I don't want to know about your business. 
the person that's running the show will kick you out if he hears you talk or he or she hears you talking about your business to people that are running scans. Really, really odd behavior because Very if, bizarre. yeah, if you're trying to sell to somebody, you, you need to know what it is you're selling to them. Hmm. But again, quite a few people that I've spoken to have had this same experience with this same business. Um, I find it a really odd way of doing it. You know, I want hmm. to know about you because from a data perspective, I want to know what your challenge is. Mm. And in some cases, the challenge might be so simple that I'm quite happy to tell you what you can go away and do for free, bit of advice, um, because you can do it yourself. You know, we give, we always say to people, here are the bits you can do yourself for nothing. Here are the bits that we can do for you. Because there's some bits, even as a, an analyst, you don't want to sit there clean, cleaning up data. And some of our clients, oh yeah, but I want you to clean it up and say, yeah, but do you realize that's 10 days of work? And it's going to cost you quite quite a few thousand pounds. Like, yeah, but just do it. Whereas others will say, okay, fine, I'll do that. And then you you work with clean data. I'd much rather we get the clean data from the start. Um, maybe the project's a bit shorter, but we're working with data that everyone's comfortable with. Yeah, of course. And and you know, ultimately, what we're talking about here as well in relation, you know, yeah. to this this topic of you know how to communicate with people and, and connect with people, it's 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 essentially sales one hundred and one, really. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. It's it's it's, it's just good sales practice and and uh, a good way of um, yeah, a good way of doing business. I think it's. Um, yeah. But no, that's it. But it's a really interesting story. So so um, you know, to go back to to you know what what sparked the, the, you starting the business, yeah. a bit of a leap of faith, but yeah. a well-calculated ca risk by the sound. You yeah. don't strike me as an individual that wouldn't make, they would make yeah. uh, an uncalculated risk. You, you know, you got yeah. all the data and you yeah. assess the situation mm -hmm. and made that risk. Um, and, and how has it gone? I mean, you know, you're here a couple of years after the fact and, you know, yeah. by the sounds of it, it's doing well. And when we spoke before, you told me, you know, you got, you, you're very busy. So, but yeah, maybe tell me a bit more about that. You know, how, how have things been along that yeah. journey the last couple of years? Yeah, so we'll, we'll go through the journey a little bit. So obviously we started in, in COVID. I was I call the official birthday actually the 5th of November 2020 because that's the day that I, I took the plunge and registered at company's house. But it was a business before then that was, you know, initially just a sole trader. And then I thought, no, I'm going to make something of this. Let's get it registered. So we always remember, remember the 5th of November uh, in, in, in our business and household. So yeah we, we started with a couple of clients as i say kept us busy for long enough uh, i say us it was me then um it's a very lonely time as well that you're mm. you know you're starting up as a business you don't have a team around you anymore mm. but as i said brighton's got this really great data community which was really helpful to me you know we've got snack channels we have meetups uh, one of my friends was still on furlough for on furlough for a long time looking for a new job and during COVID, we created this kind of data walk Slack group. So, you know, all you could do to meet up with people during COVID was go for a walk. So it's like, well, why don't we create a Slack channel and I want a walk and then people pair up and have a walk. So mm -hmm. that was quite useful to me in the first six months when I was on my own. Can somebody come for a walk with me? And often my, my friend would come for a walk or walk his dogs or something like that. And it was just useful if you had a challenge or a problem, you know, when you go out and you just, you just rant about your problem and you tell yourself the solution without anyone else telling you what to do. Mm. So that was quite good for the first six months. And then we, I realized that as we were taking on more and more clients contracts that I needed support. So six months in took on our first hire and you know, that that's when it became a bit more real. I learned more things about business. I had to learn about pensions and I had to learn about 
payroll and I had to learn about insurance and all, all sorts of things that when it's just you and you just kind of don't don't care is probably the wrong word so I learned a few more things that I probably didn't didn't want to know too much about but now know a lot about took on our first person um, and then I think we upgraded that to have a, a part-time support as well as one full-time one part-time a few months later so we got to the end of year one with three of us in the business we had a portfolio of probably four or five clients that we were working on some on like a retainer basis so we do a set thing every month and some that were here's a project and there'll be another project in a few months so again different ways of working and you know quite often quite a lot going on one of the big things that we've always wanted to do more is kind of sell more training courses and up our training programs but it's the kind of thing that you only try and market when you've got time to deliver them so we don't, right. don't never really done a lot of that and we're trying to look at ways we can do that so yeah got to the end of year one three people strong bringing in lots of enjoyable bits of diverse business diverse industries and then at the kind of halfway through well, probably just before halfway through the second year, midway through it. Uh, we we got a couple of other briefs come in, quite exciting, big projects. They needed, like the two people that I had working were quite junior. They were, you know, fresh-ish grads. So I needed somebody, the more clients we get, I needed somebody that could sort of help lead on some projects so it wasn't just me. So, you know, we rather than taking on a, a data analyst, we took on data scientists, so somebody that's got a little bit more not just experience but they, they've almost got more weapons in their armory because they can build mm. models but also somebody that's with data scientists a lot of people like to sit in the corner and get their work done this was somebody that's happy to go out and talk to people and and grow the business as well so that that brought us up to a team of four and then again another kind of big client brief client project came on towards the end of the second year so we grew that team to five people um you know five people with with some changes one's left one's come and what have been replaced and that kind of stuff so mm. five people about eight clients we're we're pushing on the boundary of getting a few new big clients in at the moment as well so you know we're, we're probably going to be up to about 10 plus very soon and mm. uh, again all on varying kind of some some are bigger some are smaller some are retainers some are project mm. but again continuing to grow that and i think the the biggest and most important thing about success and growing that is incentivizing the team as the business grows you know we're five people now i in order to make sure there's enough to keep five people busy i can't do it on my own so mm. i incentivize everybody else if you go in and, and bring in a client you get you know a, a proportion of that sale if you upsell something to an existing client you get a proportion of that because it makes everybody think when you're coming to an end of a bit of work, well, what's next with these people? Hmm. Because, you know, it's, it's like that age-old thing with customers. It's much easier to engage a, a current customer than it is to go and get a new one. So what can we do next with this lot? Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and uh, and you, you mentioned about you, you'd probably be ending, what, this year, you reckon, on, on about sort of 10 as a team yeah hopefully more you know our years are in november and we're, we're looking at pushing on the boundaries of 10 by now so i'd hope that we can push it up a little bit further by november uh, mm. i don't sort of put together like hard and fast numbers as long as we're bringing in the revenue that we need yeah. 
I'm not one of those people that's going to say we need to have 15 clients and we need to be making 500 grand or anything like that. It, it's, mm. it's, it's more about kind of uh, having a, a business that's profitable, a team of happy people. I think people are really important. You've got to have the right team around it. And, you know, when we bought, when we bought on sort of number four and number five in, in terms of people, it becomes more real. Then when it's three of us, it's kind of, okay, I just bought on who I thought was good for the business. But I involve everybody in that decision. Because when there's five of you, if there's one person that nobody likes, that that's a bit of negativity in the whole business. Yeah. So it's really important that everybody kind of gets on. We're, we're not, we're spread across, I say spread across the UK, there's three of us in Sussex, but the idea is that when we hire, you don't have to be in Brighton. We're working with data. That database mm. could be anywhere. So we don't need a physical office. In fact, I don't want a physical office more than anything. Mm. I'm quite happy being at home. I'm in, I'm in Platform 9 in Brighton now, but the co-working aspect of that is good. I can come in here. I can sit on a big table. I can network while I work. We've got business from actually just sitting in Platform 9 and just chatting to people. Um, so we don't don't need to have a, a big office. You know, we're, we're all about the UK, which means that when you're hiring, you can find the right person, the right talent. Um, but when we do get together, we all get on. And I think that's really important because, that's, it, yeah. That's one huge benefit, I think, to the distributed yeah. work, work, you know, working model or, yeah. you know, the remote working model, yeah. whatever you want to call it, um, is the ability to find talent. And I think it also levels the playing field. Like I've spoken yeah. about this on numerous occasions about how, yeah. I think that when we talk about diversity, inclusion and yeah. things like that, actually one of the, the, the big drivers for that is yeah. this kind of model because, you know, suddenly it opens up the door to, to anyone being able to work for you yeah. regardless of their yeah. background. You know, if, especially if I, I remember working with an organisation where um, there was a big push to try and yeah. find new, new staff who were working in impoverished areas yeah. to try and um, give them the opportunity. Yeah. These are people... That, that otherwise wouldn't have been able to afford to get to an interview, wouldn't have been able to afford, yeah. you know, the pressure of, you know, buying a nice shirt or, you know, whatever to come to the interview, to take time out of their current job or whatever it might be. Yeah. Suddenly it's an interview takes place over Zoom at an hour that suits them around yeah. their workplace. They don't have to come. They don't have to spend the money on, you know what I mean? Even that is like a really big thing. Uh, I think it's, mm. it's massively underrated. For, yeah. for the, we, we talk about the convenience of it and mm. the lack of commute and everything, but actually being able to find really amazing talent that, that ordinarily mm. others wouldn't be able to find. And, mm. you know, just being able to spread the net to the whole of the UK or even further afield, yeah. like that's, yeah. you know, valuable, really, really valuable, I think. Yeah. But, but, but Yeah, what, I'm, um, I'm really glad you said that, actually. Mm. I just need to plug in. I've just suddenly realised mm. I should yeah, plug in and say, you know, Obviously, all these things happen in real time. We're real mm -hmm. people that need to charge our laptops. Yep, Try not yep. to show you the contents of my bag too much. <laughs> I take it out. I just need to refill of water. So let's let's just do all of the boring plugging in bits and make yeah, sure yeah. That this carries on. But yeah, I do want to touch upon that diversity once I've done this, because I think it's... I was having a chat with somebody last night about it. It's really important. So just bear mm. with me while I find the socket. Go. Better? There we go. That's good. That's right. it. We're back. Yeah. yeah. So I think that diversity and inclusion is <laughs> a really good point. I was talking to somebody about this last night, and I think a lot of people, when it comes to what's diversity like in our organisation, a lot of people think about age, gender, gender balance, and maybe disability as well. But there's so much more to diversity and inclusion. It's also background and. Mm. I'm quite big, so we, we've got a 
somebody in our organization this story that we use quite often somebody said i think this is like the best story and shows what you're about as people and as a business so when we hired our, our last person and we're just looking when we put a job spec out really we're looking for somebody that can do the job and it's mm. not it's not just about oh yeah you're you're brilliant at this you're brilliant that brilliant the other obviously you need to be good at what you do but uh, there's so many things involved we put a job spec out and we're looking for a data scientist somebody that could come in possibly lead conversations with clients and and actually build the models and they're hard to find because you can find people that got tech skills but maybe not the not all of the personable skills to go out there and talk about it and i spoke to somebody that i knew from a networking event said i think i know the person that would be really good for you and i think i should put you in touch with them um but I need to let you know that this person, she, she's, a, she's a teacher at the moment. She's not a data scientist. She's taught herself how to do some of these things, but you know, she's not got the experience that you might necessarily want. And I said, well, you know what, let's, let's have a conversation because it's really about people that can come in and, and do the job. And the passion that she showed from moment one that we started talking of, yeah, I'm not there yet, but I've done all this stuff been teaching myself in the evening i've been sitting here doing courses online i've been working hard I've been doing all of these things and the passion that she showed to actually teach herself how to do some of the modeling some of the data science skills but also the fact that she was a teacher and she can the transferable skills there mm. that she can bring to being able to go out there and explain things to people uh were probably better than we've seen from anybody that's been in the business or anybody that we've had here so when you're building a team that diversity aspect is not just about age and gender. Think about the background as well. You don't want to build a team of five people that are the same. What can everybody bring to the room? So, you know, our diversity and inclusion bit was giving somebody that hasn't got the tech background the chance, but has so many other transferable skills mm -hmm. to bring into the industry. And that's helped us because we're looking at things from a different perspective now as well. And then, you know, her contacts are very different to our contacts so it, it evolves who knows about what we do mm. yeah you're right i mean i suppose you know another way to look at uh, diversity like the way I, I i always like looking at diversity is about opportunity right so yeah. diversity of opportunity um mm. uh, more than anything else that and that you know in some ways automatically feeds into the more traditional view of like yeah. diversity and inclusion but but you're yeah. right another way to look at it is almost um yeah the, the a diversity of skill set right yeah. so it's mm. yes we know that this role requires x y and z skill yeah. in order to to, to, yeah. to fulfill the job but what else can be brought to the table that supplements mm. that or maybe instead of that that we yeah. haven't considered you know actually it might be that we, we you know you come across a candidate by the sounds of it in this case this is what happened yeah. where you didn't realize that there was a skill that you really desperately wanted and could really you know be valuable to the company but yeah. but it is and and you know i think the skill the skill of being um I, I spoke about this actually in the last last podcast. I think it's coming out tonight, actually, this one, um, which was, you know, I think a really underrated skill, for example, is just being really easy to work with, right? Yeah. Like the hugely underrated skill. But but another hugely underrated skill, actually, I think is um, is the ability to both learn and the ability to teach, like two really underrated skills. And you, you had that in a very literal sense of yeah. a teacher, but yeah. um, but it's not always that obvious, I don't think. And it's hard mm. to pull that out sometimes from people. But but those that are the ones that are striving for the opportunity where they don't have it often um, are the ones that usually have that because they are teaching themselves and they're, they're more than happy sometimes yes. more so often to teach others. So that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. an interesting thing, but it's hard. You know, I think one of the challenges there though, 
I don't know if you've got any advice to this or ever thought about it, but is it how do you find these people? Obviously, that was a bit of a perfect storm. Mm. It was just a bit of a coincidence, but you know, someone knew someone. But but you know, if you're a business and you're trying to find people like that, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, mm. you know, how, how do you find them? You know, just just like I spoke about that example earlier about um, with a company trying to find those in in more impoverished areas. That was a real challenge yeah. because you know we're we're you know often more often than not you're putting job postings on LinkedIn on Indeed yeah. and these, are, these aren't places that people go to um, in those situations. So you know more yeah. often than not they don't know about that. They don't have yeah. the means to do that. So it's um it's not easy. I don't know if you've you've come across sort of uh, similar things before either in your 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 current business or in previous roles. But um, yeah, I don't know. Have you got any sort of any any insight into sort of how to expand uh, that, especially you know working in a distributed model, it, the opportunity is there. But how yeah. do you reach out to the these furthest reaches of 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 this? You know, the, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's brilliant because I had this chat with somebody yesterday as well. Um, right. So it's kind of on topic now. I would say when we put a job post out, yeah, it goes out on LinkedIn. And indeed, that's exactly yeah. what we do. And the candidates and the applicants that you get are all, you know, they are pretty much exactly the same. Mm. Um, out of the five people that we've got, I've only ever hired one of them from a, a job spec on LinkedIn or indeed. So you put the job spec out, you get the same candidates. Mm. What, what you should be doing is, again, calling upon your network. Look at your black book and your network. Who do you know? A bit like a good client is a client that comes through recommendation and word of mouth. It's really likely that a good candidate is a candidate that comes through recommendation and mm. word of mouth. Who do people know? So going back to the example of our math teacher, that was through somebody that I've met at networking. Somebody else that we've hired is through the, my, one of my um, friends who's got his own business. Similar kind of thing to what we do at ever so slightly different. He was hiring and again, he'd hired a few people, but then this person came through the door just after he'd hired and said, here's a really good CV. I've had a chat with this guy. You know, if, if we could have done, we would have hired as well, mm. but it might be really good for you. So again, it's that recommendation word of mouth. So look to your network, get your network to share that. Who do they know? Mm. And I think it, it, it sets that conversation off on the right footing as well. You know, with LinkedIn or, or Indeed, I've met a lot of candidates through there and you know, 90% of them are very similar, particularly in the data world, very technical, very good, but they'll sit in the corner and they'll get the work done. And that that's just not what we're all about. We want to go and give people the actionable insight. So your network's really important. In terms of kind of where else you can advertise apart from kind of the, the standard places, you know, even going through like the co-working community here is quite good because again, this is it's quite a big community in Brighton. You've got different people with different backgrounds here as well so that's quite good um but yeah calling upon your communities is valuable and vital i think yeah yeah i agree um yeah i was gonna ask you something like it just left my brain just at that last point it made me think of another question <laughs> too many questions i need to write them down I, I say this every time i do this I, I should write them down but i don't want it to start getting too yeah. formalized then do you know what yeah. I mean? if, I, if i write it down it's going to feel like you know uh, like an interview or something i don't want it to be like that but uh, maybe i should because <laughs> i keep forgetting stuff but um yeah no it's, it's an interesting challenge i think it's um i mean especially for what you do obviously there there are there are very specific skills that you need of 
obviously to to a degree but mm -hmm. um but uh, but you're also looking for very um, uh, sort, sort of the softer skills that, that oh that's what i was going to say that, 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 that there is a problem with linkedin though which is that why it's great for networking and and, and uh, it's great for a lot of things like you know my yeah. business thrives yeah. on, on linkedin and I, I i really love it um for, for those reasons i think the one problem that it has is it lacks personality so you know it's very difficult to if you look at someone's profile get a sense of someone beyond just their professional selves um because it, it isn't really designed for that right there's the mm -hmm. whole you know this isn't facebook mob on on linkedin for for that reason right but um but uh that those that stand out i think are, are those that sh that are a bit more creative with the content that they're putting out there and so you know i i think that it's in the same way that you know you're saying going to a networking yeah. event and talking a yeah. bit more on a personal level i think if people do that a bit more with their linkedin they'll get the same sort of results actually yeah. being a little bit more personal yeah. being a little bit more like you know just putting their likability across and a bit more vulnerability and putting themselves out there um it, it does help for that reason like there's a lot of gurus out there talking about personal brand online and so on that's essentially what it comes down to it's not about you know actually having to you know put two to three pieces of content out a day and the whole gary v thing of like this that and the other it's just about um letting people to know that you're an actual human being right and that that you know yeah. people might connect with you um on some level of like oh i like kayaking too or yeah like, yeah you know what i mean like that's all it is it doesn't need to be crazy but like it's the same thing except it's just instead of a, a room in a hotel that's being hired out it's the internet like it's yeah. the same yeah. thing right yeah it's just a much bigger version of that mm. um but no, it's very interesting so it's really exciting where you're going with things for the business like um what what's um you know do, do you have any you mentioned about the courses for example yeah. that's what i was going to ask about mm. so so do you have any plans to revisit those and kind of expand your offering beyond what you're currently doing or or is it really just a focus on like you said sort of going with the flow mm. that you've got these clients lined up and you're just going yeah. to see how it goes so do you, you know you see you don't yeah. have too many solid plans but, yeah. but do, do you maybe have some to, to sort of branch out into to other areas yeah so i think definitely with the the training courses that we do we we are going to push to market those a bit better because people want them people need them and there's a lot out there where i think people people just outprice themselves in the market when it comes to training things. Oh yeah, people need this. They want it so much. And, and actually, yeah, training courses are very profitable. You write them once and you deliver them a hundred times, but mm. you know, we're in a world where people want and need those skills. We're quite happy to train them and you know, we, we won't make them cost the earth because it's more about empowering people to work in data so we are going to revisit that you know as i say we're doing some work to to train people in the nhs over the next month or so and we're going to use that as a because we've we've spent a bit more time looking at the content of these courses how can we then go and take them to market and, and talk to more people about actually getting involved and becoming better versions of themselves or better analysts so we will revisit that our, our tech communities are, are really good places to start with that so we'll we'll start talking more to those communities about what we can do mm. in terms of kind of generally our offering and, and what we can do for people i think it's quite often our offering might expand off the back of a bit of work that we do because every problem right. is different so if somebody comes to us with a challenge or a problem but well we've not solved a challenge like that before but it's possible because these are the ways you know you can normalize this problem in this way and we can actually come up with a solution and then 
you build that solution think well, well what else can we do how else can we use this so mm. you know quite often you kind of grow by by your own growth almost. yeah um, yeah and i think i think that's where we're going with it kind of what we what we've done how can we then turn that into a product yeah sometimes you don't really add a string to your yeah. bow until you're asked yeah. to right yeah so that, and then and then like you said then it can it can be used for multiple situations what um what, what sort of spurred on the the working with the nhs did you have a, again do you have a previous connection there like what, what yeah. how did that come about yeah so the nhs got a massive community of analysts and as we know i think the nhs is is really poor i'm gonna i'm gonna give a pouring out advert for the nhs analyst community here but <laughs> and i go to there's a big tech conference in london that happens every year so it's a, a tech conference for people that code in r it's very specific mm -hmm. but i've been going ever since it started and it's it's the best two days if you're an r programmer you meet other like-minded. sorry it's r react R and React are different things. R oh, is okay. the letter R, a language. React is more oh, kind okay. of programming that you can build fancy visuals off the back of it as well. So, right, you know, that's, okay. so I'd different I'd know that. I've learned, yeah. learned something new today. I, I thought yeah. it stood for React. Because no. I know, I've, known, I've heard of that. Yeah. I'm actually wearing the conference T-shirt of all things as well. No oh, advertising oh. taking place there. So, um, go to Earl yeah, with the R being R. Um, I'm not sponsored or anything like that, but let's put this on this morning. And... You, you meet people and one of the people I met a few years ago runs this the NHS R community tech community which is now expanding into other languages so that we really need people to give up you know a day or two a year to come and train us and at last year's conference he stood up and gave a talk and I think what what he said was really powerful he said that the NHS is broke we know the NHS everyone knows this and there are about 40 or 50 people sitting in the room and he said if every person in this room gave one day a year to the NHS to train us, we help you in better ways. We would be able to improve that service because if we've got 50 days of analyst training a year, they'll be able to look at the numbers. They'll be able to tell the hospitals, the doctors, the, the government what we can be doing to make this organization better. And sort of that powerful note really sung to me and said, well, look, there's five people in our company. We can give up five days a year and just do five we can train whatever they want we, we can teach these analysts how to do it and what does it really cost us to give up five five days each of us giving up one day of our work time a year to do that uh, and that's really what spurred that on it's just giving back to the nhs i think a lot of people a business has got to be profitable but what can you do to your community as well what can you give back where all community is one of as you're probably beginning to guess it's one of the values that sits at the heart of our business we've built yeah. our communities in brighton we're going about it in manchester and, and now we're giving back to you know arguably the uk's biggest community that's out there mm. and you're actually acting on your values which is more than a lot of businesses yeah. can yeah. say as opposed to just having it on a fancy plaque in their yeah. uh, in their office right um which is really important you, you mentioned earlier about you know the learning curve you had um, when starting the business. You know, having to, to to learn about a lot of the the less interesting aspects of running a business, right up to kind of where you are now. What would you say? Because I know this is always an interesting um, thing to, to ask uh, when I have founders on. Um, uh, what, what would you say is sort of the area that you learned the most about? What was the most surprising? um things that you've learned in your journey so far in, in in starting and running a business and and what out of that would you say are some valuable lessons that you could impart to someone else maybe starting their own journey yeah i mean 
That's such a big question. Isn't it? There's, <laughs> I know it is. Yeah. There's, 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 there's so much that you can touch upon. So mm. maybe we'll just get the boring bits out of the way first. So, you know, just, just learning more about business expenses, VAT, the boring things like that. And, yeah. you know, I, I had no idea about finance and what you can claim back. What's a relevant expense? What can you, what's an asset as well? So, you know, you can claim back VAT on certain items, but if you buy a, a laptop or if you buy a projector, that, that becomes an asset and that becomes so much more valuable and the business can treat it in a different way. So just really boring finance things like that and the importance of them, the importance of things like HR as well, getting an HR tool, HR software, uh, is re as soon as you've got a few people in your business, get an HR tool. It, you can get the one that we've got is like two quid per per user per month. It's dirt cheap, but it's one place to store everything. You know, when it was two or three of us, everyone had a contract that was a Word or a PDF document. I had a spreadsheet for holidays. I had you know timesheets for people filling out a spreadsheet. You, you had people's personal records that kind of sat just on their CV. So lots of different things in different places. It normalizes it. You have a tool. It tells you who's in the office. It tells you you can record absent sicknesses. It, it just makes life so much easier. What so, tool do you use? Uh, we use a tool called Citrus HR. Um, okay, it's, yeah. it's, it's relatively basic, mm. it's, but it, it, ser it serves the purpose for us as a business. Uh, and this was just through recommendation. Again, reach out to our community here in Platform Nine. What do people use? Yeah. And it, it, I wouldn't. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's changed our life. But our CRM has changed our life. That's a different mm. story. But yeah, getting getting an HR tool was really important. Uh, and then touching upon it, getting a CRM. Now we're a data business, so obviously data is really important to us, and data capture mm. is really important. But the number of businesses that we thought oh, we haven't got a CRM yet, we've got a few spreadsheets, have mm. a CRM and, and use it. So our CRM is is our life. It's not just a CRM. We put we use it as our project board as well. So what projects have we got going on? And you can tag your clients into those projects. So it's this project with this client. You can put all your deliverables on there. We've got a sales pipeline on there. We've got all of our events on there. Everything is all in one place. Mm. Um, I'm a big believer in tech simplicity. So yeah. don't have have as few tools as possible to do as much of your business as possible. So our HR tool and our CRM tool, that that is 90% of this business, you know. Yeah. And obviously you've got Outlook and Teams, but Outlook it interacts with the CRM. So I kind of think of them as one. Which CRM so, do you use? So we use a CRM called Capsule. So we okay. got that through the um it's through the, the government help to grow scheme. You can get a voucher to get um, a discounted rate for the first year on the CRM. Mm -hmm. And again, for Capsule, it's not the most expensive CRM that's out there. It's not a HubSpot. It's not Salesforce. We don't need that for the size mm -hmm. of business that we are. But we just need something that we can store contacts. We can store notes on those contacts. We can store emails. Mm -hmm. And it, it works for us. So don't, there'll be people out there thinking, oh my God, like HubSpot, that's £600 a month or whatever. Like, you don't need that. Depending, you, so some people need it, obviously, mm. but you don't all need that. Go out and find something that suits your needs as a business. And we've looked at quite a few of them. So if people just want advice or support on what CRM should I choose, we can give you some advice. So there's all all the the, I said, the boring admin bits. And then mm. I think 
in terms of just general advice to the people that are you know on, on the more harder skills of business so things like sales and marketing which are, are really important things to do when, when you're going out there and talking to people and you're at a networking event and you've got a potential lead keep the conversation going and don't let a conversation go dry mm. if you've given if you said somebody we can work together and you said that here's the solution this is how much it costs make sure that you're that you talk to them over the first week or the first two weeks after you've given them that mm. that particular here's, here's a proposal here's what we can do because the second you say to somebody this is our solution it's going to cost you 10 grand it's like a ticking time bomb almost yeah yeah and you know every every day that that is not signed off is a day that it's less likely to be signed off so you know make sure that you're following follow up follow up follow up um, and that's something our crm has been really good for because it we we can set up like a process in there so it's just you get a lead, you sent them something you follow up two days later so it makes sure that happens like a cadence yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's a really good point actually you know that's something that um yeah it's all, almost forgotten about in even mainstream enterprise sales which is that the, the, yeah the moment you give a quote um is 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 usually the end of the conversation talking about how you can solve the problem right yeah. so that the moment that that stops um then every moment that passes is them forgetting the value yeah that is in, involved in that quote. So let's yeah. say it's 50 grand, like every day that passes, they're forgetting what that 50 grand is worth, mm. essentially, like, you know, in simple terms, um, uh, not to mention there's the problem of, you know, multiple stakeholders, usually the big yeah. business has multiple stakeholders. So, so you yeah. know, um, uh, multi-threading is a really important part of that sales process, you know, where you're keeping everyone else in the decision-making team involved, even when, if they didn't attend, you know, and things like that, there's a lot of great, you know, skills that you know, I, I obviously get involved with businesses to talk about, and that's, uh, very important yeah very very important uh bit of advice you've given there yeah. when working at this sort of level yeah um, and uh, yeah having a good tool definitely helps with that because not yeah. everyone can remember to do these things manually yeah. like, especially when you're doing you know a certain amount of quotes yeah. a, a day or a week like there's no human being alive yeah. that can remember oh i've got to email them i've got to call them like so it all comes together yeah. doesn't it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah totally Anything else? Anything else that springs to mind? That uh, uh, maybe a bit of a hard lesson or something that you've learned? That I mean, especially when it comes to culture, yeah. right? You, you've touched yeah. on a, you know a couple of the issues there around yeah. um, around you know building a team, even a small yeah. one, and, and and how the the intimate nature of that can 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 be quite difficult at mm -hmm. times, especially yeah. if you get the wrong hire in and so on. Yeah. Is there anything you've learned around that that um, that you found to be quite valuable? Yeah, particularly as a small business, make sure the team, make sure everybody's involved if you're hiring somebody. It doesn't really cost you that much money. Make sure that everyone's had a chat with somebody that you want to bring into a team. If you're a team of 100, bringing in 101 is, you can't you can't do that and you don't need to do that. But mm. when you're a team of four people, uh, I'll even do it when we're a team of three, bringing in number four, it was, you know, we had some good candidates. There was one candidate that, maybe rubbed one or two people up the wrong way in the interview process mm. and so it wouldn't have been a really good culture fit to bring yeah. that person in so make sure everybody's involved but also when when you have a team trust and empower that team as well i think that's really important so you don't need to the way that we do things here we work hours not not days so you've got to work a certain number so you've got to work 36 hours a week you could work, some people work them over four days, as long as you're available to come on client calls and get your deliverables done in time. But it's not about that whole, you know, man management thing. Mm. Uh, I, I've got, 
a kid at school so i'll take him to school in the morning i'll pick him up in the afternoon somebody else in the business has got that as well and you can be totally flexible and work around that it's totally fine to say to a client look i can't do a call at three o'clock because i've got to pick my child up from school but i could do it at three thirty or mm. or two o'clock so trust people let them work the hours that suit them because they'll get the best work done but you know just make sure there are mechanisms in place you know we, we've we've had it before as well where some people you give them that trust most people 99 percent of the people will will be trustworthy but sometimes people unfortunately you know not everybody is as trustworthy as you want them to be so make sure there's mechanisms in place make sure that you've got the right tech set up on your laptop that if things do happen and need to happen that you still have that element of control without being controlling mm. you told me before but how old is your uh, boy or girl by the way sorry boy boy how old is he he's six now six now yeah yeah, yeah. very cool uh and uh yeah uh, and you only have the one right I need, I need the one. Yeah. 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 I mean, so uh, stick with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can tell you, you sorry, just had a second. Yeah. Yeah. One, one is more than enough. <laughs> uh, and, and are you married? Or? Yes. Yeah. How long have you been married for? Been married. Well, this, this year it'll be 13 years. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Long, fruitful mm. marriage. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. And uh yeah, ha, ha. <laughs> I mean, I think that there's probably more valuable uh, uh, insight you could give us into running a successful marriage. I think than, <laughs> than a business, to be honest, these days. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. How what, do you remember, like, how you guys met, and and like, how did that all come about? God, yeah. I mean, we're going we're going back to almost pre-career time, but yeah, um, it was this like a, a university. It, it, it was a university thing but not at university so it was right. um through you know a, a social meetup and a friend in common that we met you know back again x number of years ago where we mm. won't talk about what x is but yeah so that <laughs> that ha that happened um and we were friends for a bit first we actually didn't you know it wasn't straight away that we started dating each other or, or doing anything like that and yeah. um so we were friends for a little bit and then that kind of you know, blossomed and then a few years later we got married and then did what we needed to do and then and then had a kid but um but yeah it is you know even going back to the business and somebody said to me it feels like a family business you know my wife does get involved with some of the more some of the more boring admin bits that i spoke about before has taken yeah. that off my hand so yeah and i think for us you know one of the big spurs in in the marriage and, and starting a business so i'll I will talk a little bit about my personal story here because mm. um, I think, you know, we're, we're, it's not just about business as people that sit behind that. So we oh. we're, we're, we're living in Brighton and, you know, we were both from London, both from North London. And when we started dating, we used to come down to Brighton quite a bit for short breaks, weekends, you know, a little bit of time to relax and recuperate. And it was mm. always the plan. Do you know what? One day one day we'll move to Brighton and it'll probably be when we retire. It will just be this thing that happens one day. And, you know, back in the year that my son was born, it's going back to 2016, three months before my son was born. Um, my father passed away suddenly like, like that. Um, it was ill overnight. And then the next day he was, he was gone. And, you know, obviously so didn't, sorry. ah, it's, it's, it's one of those things when you tell the story and people just don't know what to say as well, but it, so it, 
it just it just happened. Didn't have a chance to say goodbye or anything like that. Got a phone call when I was sitting at work eating my lunch. Ran out of work, and um, but that was it. And at the time, my mother was she had been quite unwell for a few years with cancer, but had got to the point that she, you know, was was managing it quite well. Um, my dad passing away like that was a massive shock, um, particularly to and all the, all these people saying to me at the time, you know, you're you're going to have your son in a few months' time when you is going to be a boy, and, and that's your way of carrying the legacy on, and it, it was. Um, just after his first birthday, um, in the year, so it was almost a year after my father passed, my mother couldn't cope with her illness anymore. It was just, you know, the massive shock of what had happened, um, and so she passed a year later. Uh, so my parents were quite young, you know, late 60s and early 70s, and, you know, obviously sold their house and we thought we've got a child we need more space so let's buy a house but hang on a minute you know there's um my wife's family had also they were all moving towards the south coast for one reason or another it's like hang on a minute if we do buy a house we don't actually need to buy it back in you know watford where we were this could Mm -hmm. be our opportunity so so we moved to brighton the city that we loved um five years ago roughly to the day and I don't think I'd ever look back and go back to London. I'm, I'm mm. telling you that honestly. Particularly if you look at lockdown, you know, imagine lockdown in London or in Watford with a, a beautiful ring road to walk around. We've got the sea and we've got the downs here. So yeah. I don't think yeah. I'd ever look back. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. My condolences. That's, uh, it sounds like a horrible time, but, um, yeah. but, but, but certainly a time that, um, that meant new beginnings, right? And, yeah. and so that's, uh, it's a wonderful outcome from that. Um, yeah, the, the South Coast is is wonderful. There's a reason why it's called the Sunshine Coast, um, which I know for anyone listening overseas probably scoffs at that, knowing that this is in England. Yeah, <laughs> but it's our equivalent of the Sunshine Coast, all right? Let us have that. <laughs> but yeah, Bright, Brighton's awesome. I, I, we don't get there often enough. The wife, um, she, she's from Brighton originally, and her family, um, her mum and dad live in Brighton. Um, and so we, we go there every occasion, obviously, because of the indoors and stuff. Um, but yeah, but I love it. I, I prefer Eastbourne, though, because it's a bit quieter. It's it's funny you can say that. <laughs> so when when we actually first started dating, my brother was at University of Brighton Eastbourne campus. Yeah, yeah. So we would come down and see him a lot in Eastbourne. And we did that for about a year. And then obviously he wasn't there anymore. So, so we didn't go. Hmm. And then when lockdown finished, and you know, when you could go out, you could spread your wings and leave your bubble or whatever it was yeah we thought we just want a few days away to chill and relax and we thought Mm. we don't want to go too far we don't want this to be a massive effort it's sort of spur of the moment let's go to Eastbourne we haven't been there for 15 years and we went there for a couple of days and just totally when you live in Brighton I totally love Eastbourne I, Mm. I don't think I've moved there and lived there but I totally love the fact that it is it's quiet it's relaxed we had a few days after lockdown where we just walked along the seafront and it was peaceful whereas you did that in lockdown in brighton it wasn't um and we've been going back to eastbourne ever since for the past few years for for a quiet break um Mm. and i love it i just love uh, i love the peace the tranquility the seafront in eastbourne is beautiful Um, it's really nice yeah. yeah and you don't brighton's very buzzing very happening 
you mm. don't quite get maybe the beauty that you get of Eastbourne Seafront. So I think yeah. it's, just, it's just a lot more going on. So you don't yeah. have the time yeah. to soak it all up. But but yeah. I mean, like, like driving to and from Brighton when I when I do on occasion, yeah. you know, it is an absolutely stunning place. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I love the culture there, the yeah. nightlife, the, the shops, like everything about it is amazing. But I think yeah. I suppose from my perspective, I, I grew up in Oxford originally. Right. And mm. um, quite a quite a, a busy you know, city, I guess, you know, technically not a city, but but everyone always refers it as to as a city. Um, it, it reminds me, Brighton reminds me a lot of Oxford, actually, in that sense. Mm. Like, it's very um, mixed culturally, um, you know, a lot of uh, quirky areas, a lot of really old architecture, you know, mixed in with it, you know, very, very eclectic. Um, but for the same reason I, I moved out of Oxford, there's something about, I think it's maybe because um, in my, my younger days, um, I, I went straight into the, uh, the hospitality industry right and you know doing that was partying hard for a very solid yeah. amount of years yeah. and so it kind of got to a point where I'm like I've got that all out of my system now I want peace I want quiet like yeah. you know um, so there's something about sort of very very busy dense areas which which kind of gets me a bit bit claustrophobic now I think yeah. and so now it's I, I kind of like the 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 OAP lifestyle <laughs> <All Nice. laughs> You know? It's up and coming though. There's, there's it is, nice, yeah. There's nice things to do there. Like even when we go there with with child, there's so much. There's yeah. so much to do, but there's so much to to be thankful for and, and rest and relax for as well. Absolutely, that is a bit of a misconception, actually, isn't yeah. it? That 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 um, the Eastbourne is just you know a uh, God's resting place, and there's yeah, not much yeah. going on. There is plenty going on, especially for kids. Actually, you're yeah. right. There's a lot of family stuff, especially this yeah. time of year. All of that comes to life, and there's mm. so many different activities going on. The council mm. is really great here. Mm. They put on so many different, yeah. a lot like Brighton. In fact, I know that to be true for a lot of East Sussex. The councils in East Sussex mm. are generally really mm. proactive. Actually, always yeah. putting on events. Always, you know, you know, yeah, they're really good yeah. from a community standpoint. So we're yeah. very fortunate in that. Oh, for sure do you, are you um, attending or do you know of digifest that's happening in eastbourne i've heard of it um mm. so i am connected with a few like businesses in eastbourne through networking so i've heard of it i i can't confess i know a lot but <laughs> I, I i definitely should know a lot more yeah um, well, it's just our first uh, digital festival yeah. essentially uh, you know a lot of um, yeah, just the focus around uh, around it because they're like you, said, you know there are these yeah. communities that are close by like um, Silicon Brighton and you know Chalk and a few others um, and yeah I think it's kind of sparked um, this this yeah this community in Eastbourne that's been building over the last few years of, of technical mm -hmm. individuals and founders you know um, that uh, yeah it's just a, it finally turning into an event and it's quite exciting for Eastbourne to have its first yeah. one um, so so yeah if you can make it you should definitely come down. And, Plenty of others that have been on this this show are coming down. We're going to meet in person for the first time, and other people in the networks that I've met, uh, you know, over the years. So it's um, yeah, it's quite exciting. It's there are people travelling, you know, quite far afield actually for it, which is nice to hear for us. Yeah. You know, sleepy little seaside town for people to be coming down and, yeah. and experiencing experiencing it sometimes for the first time. Although it is surprising how many people I speak to all across even the world actually that have said they've been to eSport. Like I didn't realize that it had the level of popularity it has yeah. <laughs> for some people, or at least people have heard of it, which is yeah. odd because if it's yeah. just like, you know, I always thought I was the place between Brighton and Hastings. No one would have heard of it, yeah. but actually yeah. people people know of it because it's, uh, yeah, but so that's good. But um, mm. but yeah, no, that's wonderful. I'm I'm really glad that you're you're very you know you're enjoying Brighton and 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 uh, yeah the seaside lifestyle as well. You know that's a big one too. 
Um, and you said you wouldn't, you, you couldn't envisage yourself moving back to, to London, no? I, d I couldn't see it happening. Also, bringing up a child by the sea. Um, mm. I remember last year, on, on the last day of, of the school year, and um, somebody in my son's class had a birthday, or it was their birthday in the summer holidays, but, you know, everyone's away. So what mm. better day than the last day of the school year to hold your birthday party? Mm. Uh, and the birthday party was, you know, playing on some of the, it was just really simple, going to the arcades on the seafront and then sitting and having a picnic on the beach. And it's, mm. you can't do that in London. You know, yeah. you can't on the last day of school just go and sit on the beach. The adults get to have a beer or a glass of wine and, and the kids are having some food and drink and playing on the arcades. It That's that's something you can only do at the seaside. And, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, up... the equivalent to that in London is, you know, go to the local casino and then go yeah. and sit in the park with some yeah. tennis. Like, yeah, 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 you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so, yeah, definitely would never look back. I, I couldn't leave. I couldn't... We love Brighton and Hove too much to leave Brighton and Hove, but at the same time i think it's as long as we're by the seaside like i, I say i can't envisage living in eastbourne but mm. you never know yeah i quite like salt dean you know just outside that's really yeah. a nice little area as well um but yeah in regards to in uh, just sort of going back briefly to if you, if you may indulge me to to what you mentioned about a couple of things sort of bringing them together you know about starting the business when you did yeah. and those those events that happened sort of leading up to you moving to brighton yeah. how much how much of um how much of those events that, that led up to that you know becoming a father yeah um you know losing your parents you know, how, yeah. how much of that um do you feel sort of contributed to 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 the um the catalyst of of wanting to start the business and, yeah. and move things forward do you think that any of that contributed or was was that kind of arbitrary no i think it it all contributed these are all things if some of those things didn't happen so i think if i was still working in so moving to brighton first of all um you know i'll, I'll touch upon the other uh, bits happened before we moved to brighton moving to brighton was a big thing in the first year that we moved here my son was you know 18 months old when we moved down here roughly and i was still commuting to london it was one of those you move to brighton you think be fine i can do the commute no problem um anybody that's local might remember the big southern thameslink timetable change that was billed as this is taking it into the 21st century it's going to be amazing um it wasn't amazing <laughs> We moved to Brighton a week before that timetable change. I had my first week of commuting. This is all right. And the big timetable change is coming. It's going to get better. Um, I was going to have a direct train from Hove to City Thameslink where I commuted to rather than changing at Brighton. It's, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be better. Um, it wasn't. And I spent a year commuting. Now, I did. The idea was three or four days a week with one or two days a week at home. Oh, you've got to remember this is pre-pandemic, so most people were going into the office. And even at three days a week, which often became four, it was just soul-destroying. I spent four hours of my day commuting. So if you do that, let's say you do it even three times a week, that's 12 hours of your week just spending yeah. commuting, two hours each way. I didn't see my son. He was 18 months old. I'd, leave, I'd get up, he'd be asleep, and I'd get back home, he'd be going to bed. So I didn't see him, and it was... For me, I felt I just I can't do this anymore. That also those twelve hours that was on you know perfect timing. Things happened with the trains. Trains got delayed. Trains got cancelled. Points failures. You know all the nonsense yeah. that you get. So I was just spending more than that twelve hours commuting, not seeing my son, and I, I just felt 
something's got to change. I just can't do this anymore. Um, but I really loved the job I was working, the company I was working, it's been through an exciting rebrand, moved to a new office. And I, I knew that whilst I loved the job, I, I didn't love the commute. So I had to change it. Now, Brighton, at that, at that point when we moved down here, the tech community wasn't what it was now. Silicon Brighton have done a great job in that. When, when I moved down here, there were three tech meetups. With Silicon Brighton, there's over 20 now. But I knew that it was going to be hard. There weren't people that wanted data scientists and data people in Brighton. So I started approaching companies. I went with the idea that I, if I approach people, I'm seeing if somebody somebody's going to try and come and sit in, in the booth, I think. So I'm just going to move, move some things around. Um, okay, move all that around. Right. So I thought I've got to start approaching companies and say, this is what I do. Can I help you? What can we do together? Um, and took about six months and eventually I, I landed a role in Brighton. And that was mm. a big thing, even though it was just before the pandemic. It got rid of that four hours. And that four hours gave me the chance to sit at home and think, A, see my son and B, think about my business. So I think if we didn't move to Brighton, I was in a job that I loved in a company that I loved, but I might not have started the business. Mm. Obviously, that big thing of cash in the bank, we wouldn't have had a buy to let property if if my parents didn't pass. So it's that was our way of investing in our future. The buy to let is a pension pot. Obviously, mm. there's a real pension pot as well, but it's a second pension pot. So yeah. having that ability to do that was only spurred by the, the sad events that happened in 2016, 2017. So I think everything coming together has really been like the motivation behind starting my business. Like this, I, I'm, I'm convinced if we were still in London, this wouldn't have happened. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? How you know sometimes comfort can be the the yeah. the the, uh, the the killer of innovation, right? It's just if if everything is is comfortable, although it may not yeah. be ideal, although it may not be what you really really want, um, it's not going to push you to to strive for anything else, right? But the moment things start becoming uh, uncomfortable, then we tend to yeah to try and find alternatives, yeah. rightly yeah. or wrongly, but but yeah. yeah yeah sometimes it can work out for the best. So. Um, yeah, well, as we're approaching on the last 10 minutes, what I usually like to do in this last 10 minutes is ask my guests to um, to give some tips out like about uh, to, 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 to potential founders out there. But we kind of already covered that yeah. earlier on. So so I was thinking instead, um, how about, um, you know, we just spend the last 10 minutes talking a bit more about, um, you know, what, um, it, you know, what, what kind of because uh, there's obviously a lot of founders that might be listening to this. Uh, well, I know a lot of founders listen to this. <laughs> what um, what uh, sort of founders out there should be getting in touch with you? Um, you know, if what sort of problems would they be encountering? What kinds of problems would they maybe looking to solve? Um, what are the kind of ideal customers essentially yeah. that should be coming to you um, yeah. to, 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 to solve certain problems? Uh, yeah. You know, why don't we lay that out for them? Yeah. Well, let, let's lay it out in terms of the three things I spoke about. So the, the customers, the marketing, and the automation. Let's start with automation first, because I think that's really key. Mm, so, yes, we didn't touch on that as well. Yeah, yeah I wasn't wanting to ask about that. Yeah. yeah. So let, let, let's touch upon automation. Every business has got this painful process. So think about processes that are within your business at the moment. What do you or somebody in your team, somebody in your business, what is it that somebody spends a long time doing that is potentially quite manual? So um, hopefully no one can hear all the drilling in the background that's just started. No, it's mic, not coming. Not coming it's through. incredible how good people tell me this mic is because yeah, it's, it's very good. The background noises. So yeah, 
what painful process have you got in your business? There's something, maybe somebody stitches together three or four spreadsheets every week to put a simple report together of how many customers we've got, what we've sold in the past week, and where our people are. And it might take them a long time to put that together. You shouldn't be doing that anymore. We're in an age where things can be automated. We have fantastic coding languages. And at DataCode, we have all the skills to navigate around those languages. So we can build you something that takes that 20 hours out forever. So imagine that person getting 20 hours of their week back. They can spend that looking at the report that we produce and saying, OK, this is great. Now I know that my customers in Bristol and Brighton, I'm going around Bristol and Brighton to find more of them. But they don't have that time beforehand because they're spending so long putting the report together. Mm. So if you've got that process within your business, and we all have one, it might not be the exact process that I talked through just now. We've all got something that takes us so long. We can automate that for you. And more importantly, it pays for itself. You, you'll spend some money with us to be able to write the code and to be able to implement that code and automate it. But remember, that 20 hours is gone forever. So mm. within the first few months, it starts paying for itself because you're focusing your attention on something else. So think about your process, get in touch, tell me why it's painful. We'll sit and look through you doing that process as well so that we can understand where the pain lies and what we can automate. So I think that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. If we come to customer analytics and, and customer data, it's really simple. If, if you're listening, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. If you're listening, if you're watching, so... I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and, and if you can't answer these questions, then I want you to get in touch. So the first question is, who's your customer? Who are they? Do you know who your customer is? Uh, and the second and, and perhaps equally important question is, what's your best product? So what product have you got within your business? What's your best seller? What product are people coming to you again and again for? And again, a really, I'll give a really simple example. Um, that some, uh, it's actually not a piece of our analysis. It's an analysis from another business, but somebody touched the pot. They gave me this example at a, a business networking event, and I thought, it's so simple. My one involves like Oyster card wallets, but this one's even better. And he did some analysis for a cafe. And he went into the cafe and said, so what's your best product? And they said, oh, it's, you know, sandwich X. You know, it's, it's let's say it's a cheese and pickle sandwich. I don't know what it was. Actually, no, it's a cup of tea. The thing that people buy the most is a cup of tea. So when they're buying this cheese and pickle sandwich that you think is the best-selling product, ask if they want a tea with it. Yeah, really simple, and it's just tangible. I had another one where somebody's biggest product, they thought it was a handbag, and it's actually the, the Oyster Card wallet. And right. um, so, you know, again, upselling the basket, do you want an Oyster Card wallet with that? But you're often surprised what your best product is. So if you don't know who your customer is and you don't know who your product, what your best product is, get in touch because we can mm. help you look at your data and analyze that. And um, when you're saying, and when you're saying, you know, know who your customer is, you mean very specifically, not just you know broadly. You're talking about specifics because everyone, I think, has a broad idea of who yeah. their customer is. You know, their ideal customer profile yeah. or who they want their yeah. customer to be. Yeah. But actually, you know, that you're talking about, you know, very specific yeah. attributes. Yeah. Uh, you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very. The more you know about your customer, the better. Mm. Are you talking to them? Are you surveying your customers as well? Customer surveys mm. are really important. But use that. Don't ask them what made them buy the product. What do you What do you like about us as a brand? Ask them about them. You know, we, mm. we've got a really 
good a client do a really good survey where you know they they ask customers more about their beliefs and kind of what excites them what they do at the weekend know the customer mm. uh, because you know you, you don't have people aren't going to fill out surveys and unless they're sure or unless you give them incentives so the people that do use that to understand who they are and we can then take that data for the people that haven't filled it out and approximate what they would say based on their behavior and based on similar people that have answered the survey so know your customer and what about those uh, sort of the very early stages of their journey as a founder you know maybe not in the position yeah. to hire someone like you what 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 could they maybe do or is there any services that you could offer um or or any resources you can point them to to like you said sort of become ready and start building yeah. a bit of a data strategy yeah i think first of all make sure you think of it in the simplest possible form so your data strategy isn't complicated as i said earlier on mm. uh, think about think about what it what is your business so you know, what are you trying to achieve who what kind of customers are you trying to get and what do you need to know about these people mm. so be really basic when you when you start a business you're going to map out what your product is so from that product who's going to buy it what do i need to know about these people what do i need to know to sell it and put yourself together a very simple strategy potentially we can do some simple consultancy with you that's not going to cost you the earth even if it's just spending like a half a day with you doing workshopping that out so it doesn't cost you the earth but we can help kind of kick some of that into place mm. for you get that journey I'll, started kind yeah of thing. and i'll yeah. ask you the right questions so you might not have data yet but we every business is going to have data mm -hmm. and it's also recognizing the importance of that data and not not being those people that that brush it under the carpet because it's scary so embrace the data embrace the fact that you've got it and make sure that you use the opportunity to collect it correctly because once you've got if you get to the point that you've got a thousand people on your database and you haven't asked them what their job title is and that's really important it's so much harder to go and backfill that yeah um, that give it the time Will you, will you have any uh, any type of course uh, maybe dedicated to this sort of earlier stage situation, do you think? Uh, yeah, we, we've, we, we've done it for people before that want to become data-driven. So again, just um, also talking about, you know, in data, I think in a lot of things, particularly data, marketing's another one. There's so many acronyms, there's so many buzzwords. Yeah. Just, what do the buzzwords really mean? Why, why are they important? What the flip is AI? What the flip is... Uh, machine learning what the yeah. you know what are all all of these things so mm. help you understand them and when you need them and early on in the journey don't don't worry about ai don't worry about complex models just worry mm. about the simplicity of knowing who a customer is you know your, your modeling can come later on as you grow as a business but get the basics and the fundamentals right mm. and you know what you mentioned ai there it's something i did even want to ask you about we've run out of time yeah. i wanted to ask a bit more about that and how it might be affecting your industry um, but we'll have to save that for next time, I guess. That's all right. That's all the more reason. There's the, it's usually the way with these things. I yeah. end and there's still a whole bank of things yeah. that I want to ask you about. So all yeah. the more reason to connect again. But um, but look, if you do if you do manage to make it down to or, or plan to make it down for DigiFest, if it works with your schedule, then let me know. It'd be lovely to meet for a coffee and and uh, and and yeah, just just yeah, maybe I can ask you some of these questions off camera. <laughs> yeah. I think I think on camera AI, it's going to get quite deep. So. 
So um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it has done the last couple of times, but it's uh, but I was more interested, you know, as a as a data scientist yourself, as someone who's you know really in that world, um, that that I was you know would have, would have been quite a fresh take. But uh, yeah, maybe next time, maybe yeah. another episode. Um, um, but especially you know in terms of how it affects your your what you do and what you know um, what you're what you're working mm. on, because I know there's a lot of correlation there, right? So, yeah. mm. um, but no, look, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. So, um, so yeah, hugely valuable, really, really insightful stuff. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I know it's going to be very valuable to, to listeners um, out there who are either starting the journey or, or, or further along in their journey and um, their business and are tackling this because if it is something that I think there isn't really um, uh, talked about enough of um, or, or at least not in the way that you put it very simply easy to understand and digestible so yeah. i think that's um that's really really useful information and uh and of course anyone listening who wants to get in touch with jeremy there your details will be um in the description uh your your linkedin and your website details and everything so please do get in touch with jeremy if you want more information or to have a consultation like you say um any final words any parting words of wisdom that you want to share with me or, or anyone listening yeah, well, yeah, first of all, do get in touch. Very happy for people to get in contact. We're always happy to have a chat. Um, and thank you, Greg. It's been an absolute pleasure. I mean, it's a, two hours yeah. of flown by. It's, it's they usually do, don't they? <laughs> a bit more of a conversation than, a, you know, anything else, So it's which has made it fun. Oh, good, and good. I think well, the, the one the one parting thing I'll leave, and it perhaps wet, wet people's appetite for another time, so we won't touch upon AI, but I just want to say to people, don't worry about AI. Don't panic about it because AI will not replace what you do. There will be a human that has to sit behind every piece of AI. So what we do might evolve and change, but at the end of the day, we still need humans to interpret what AI is telling us. And that's really important, the human touch. So I'm going to leave it there so that people can think a little bit more about mm, yeah. AI and where it's going. And yeah. um, that's another chat for another day. Absolutely. Cool. Well, look, thank you again so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see each other very, very soon again. Absolutely. Brilliant. All right. Take care. Thanks, oh, Greg. and enjoy the weekend, of course. It's Friday, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Why not? Let's do it. Enjoy the, enjoy the sunshine and the sea. Yeah, brilliant. Cheers, Greg. <laughs> see you later. Well. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for watching and or listening. Please like, subscribe and join the conversation in the comments below.